Welcome to the Holy City Church podcast station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. First uh, John chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. It says, uh, uh, if you can, rise with me. Sorry. We'll read. Once you find it, you can rise with me and we'll read it. And it says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and he is righteous. Whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes practice of sinning, for God's seed, for God's seed abides in him and cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness it is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for this word that you've preserved over time for us, Lord. Father, we pray that you can continue to soften our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, because we know this just by reading this, Lord, we know that uh, it's not going to be an easy one. But, Father, we know that you love us and you care enough about us to leave these words for us, Lord, because you want the best for us and you want to work in our lives. and. And you use your word, you use the Holy Spirit to change who we are, Father. So I pray that the words that I speak may not be mine, but yours. And you can continue to work in our lives, Lord. In your your name we pray. Amen. So two weeks ago, we we spoke about, uh, we got a little bit into sin, right? We we had a little conversation uh, about sin and, and and John made us aware of that sin is something that's a part of us. This is not something that we can ever kind of just brush away and be like, okay, I'm not a sinner. I don't sin anymore. This is, this is not of me anymore. Uh, none of us are exempt from being a sinner. He made us sure he, we knew that we are all sinners, right? He gave us a good insight on how to not be in that position to sin, right? He said, look. This is what's going to get you into the position or into a place of sin where you're going to sin. Let's stay away from it. How about we do that? Huh? Let's try our best to not get ourselves into those situations, right? Don't, put, don't walk down the dark valley, right, uh, with your girlfriend if you have control issues, right? He, he told us, don't get yourself into the situations. And he told us what situations those were. And he didn't say that it was possible for a person to ever be perfect. You know, why they live here in this world. But he gave us truth, right? He gave us some truth that allow us not to be in those situations. 
then God made us aware that there are going to be times that we're going to fail. Right? He, he was sure that even if we tried to follow every step that he gave us, he knew we were going to fail. He knew eventually at some point we were going to fall. But John also made sure that we knew that when we do fail, we do have an advocate who will take away our sins. He will take our penalty for us. And at the same time, he's the one that's going to represent us in front of God. So he said, hey, sin is in you. Sin is in this world. You can't get away from it. Here's what you do not to fall into sin. But when you do, there's a Savior. So we know that John's letter is a little bit kind of goes one place and one this brings them back, right? So here it's not something that we're kind of very used to nowadays because in this world we kind of want to tend and grab sin, whatever it is bad, kind of put it on the side or, or kind of sugarcoat it or make it pretty and let's not call it sin, right? We we all we are I don't know if anyone's aware, right? Uh, just this week with the whole movie that came out on Netflix where all of a sudden it's okay if pedophilia is on TV. We're not. Let's make kids on TV that are 11 years old have sexual moves and, and dance like if they were strippers or something, right? I don't know when that came became a good thing, but apparently that's a good thing. Let's just cover up pedophilia. Let's, that's okay. It's no big deal, right? You know, people try very hard to make sin something that we should not pay attention to. Right? It's like sin is something, but they're saying, hey, don't worry, that's okay. Everything's fine, don't worry. You know, we want to make sin acceptable and normal. You know, those things that are once, why are you judging me? Right? It seems like a bad thing. But telling you it's okay, don't worry, sin away, do whatever you want. That's the good thing. That's what we should be doing. And all this, everything that happens, all this idea that's pushed, all this covering up, all this sugarcoating, all this acceptance is really all just a big show, a big play to kind of remove the idea of sin. Right? We had the conversation with my father-in-law yesterday. What's happening? What's the point? Why is all this happening? Why is people so rebellious? Just because we don't want to deal with sin. We don't want to have a moral or ability to make correct decisions. We want to do whatever the heck we want. Anytime, any day, that's what we want to do. We want to do what we want. And the only way we can do that is if we move sin, right? Because if we don't remove sin, you're admitting that there's a problem. If there's something wrong, means that there's something you need to do about it, to do something about it. Thing is, the sin reveals the ugliness in us. So, of course, it is easier to cover up sin, make it disappear, right? But remember, we have to remember that sin is something that's part of us, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do to get rid of sin altogether. It's not in us to do that. We haven't give, been given the power, the ability. It's actually been a part of this world since Adam and Eve. So if you're, if you're into, you know, dating what time we're in, that's about roughly 6,000 plus years ago. So for 6,000 years, if you believe this millions of years, that's fine. I don't care. Millions of years ago or thousands of years ago, 
sin has been around since then, since the beginning. You can see when Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, The moment they sin, that moment that Adam and Eve sin, that one moment from then on, everything's changed. Everything that will come after Adam and Eve, everything, everything changed. From that point, the story has been marked by sin. Sin was brought to all creation. And no one, again, no one is exempt from it. Of course, we can't include Christ. When I say no one, we're not talking about Christ. But none of us, no one out there right now living is exempt from it. So until the day we see Christ, sin is not over. It's not gone from our lives. Our sin nature still remains. You know, we're still going to deal with this punishment of sin, which is physical death, because that's what the punishment of sin is, right? Before God wanted, right? That's his plan, his idea, his purpose, right? But we got to go through this. But the moment it was sin, the penalty was death. That's where we die, physically. But we still have to deal with that. And we still have to deal with the spiritual battle that Paul talks about in Romans 7. We're still going to have to fight and battle this sin. This is not going to stop just because you came to church, because you came to Christ. It's something that we're going to battle with every single day in our lives until the day we see Christ. So then why is John bringing it back? Right? So it seems like there's or there was someone or, or many people, again, teaching false doctrine. So John's calling out those pretenders to repent and believers to continue their faithfulness and not to be lied by those pretenders. There's people, again, remember this, the reason he wrote this letter is because uh, there was people coming out teaching false and the church was kind of watering things down and, and, and the idea of everything that was pre there must have been people who were teaching something about sin that was false, therefore leading him to write this. So this false doctrine going in the church at that time, whether inside the church, outside the church, by the people, it doesn't matter. Something was not being taught correctly. But John's ultimate goal is that those who truly trust Christ may not be deceived. And that's the main goal. That's what I want to get from this, right? Those who are believers know not to be deceived by those lies. And we're going to see what those lies are. That's ultimately the main goal. You know, John loves these men, right? He loved them so much, he, he was willing to, to take this step and write this thing that we all know, and we're sitting here, we all like, oh boy, this is going to be fun today. He said, hey, I love these guys enough what sin is and how that affects you. Hey, I want to remind you. I want to remind you, I care about you. I love you enough to remind you that way you won't fall away. And of course, 2,000 years later, we can still learn from it. But to understand what John is talking about, we have to understand what sin is and what is the practice of sin. right? Before we can even 
be able to identify the false and, and learn from it, even test ourselves and see if, if we're the ones teaching this or not. We have to know what sin is, right? And we have to know what it is to practice sin. I mean, that's how we started, right? Verse 4, everyone who practices, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, right? Everyone who makes a practice of sinning. So this is, this is the focus. Everyone who makes a practice, get down, but I'm not going to because uh, that can take us all day. We can focus more than on Wednesday if you want. If I do miss something, like I'm not going to cover every single little thing. I miss something, write it down, bring it Wednesday. Bring some questions. I don't care. Just bring it. Right? But we want to focus specifically on what John said. Right? So what is sin? That's an easy one. John tells you what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. So basically, sin is a disregard for the law of God, which also means you have a disregard for the lawmaker. So if the lawmaker makes a law and you say, I'm not going to follow your law. Not only you got a problem with the law, you got a problem with the one who made it. Right? Because you're not just disobeying the law, you're disobeying the lawmaker. My kids, if I make a law in the house, I go, hey, you're not allowed to pass 930. I go, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to go to 10. You're not only dis- you know, breaking the law, you're disobeying the lawmaker, which was me. I'm the one who said it. You got a problem with me too. But sin is, right? This is not a mistake, right? This is something you're, you're doing which is offending God. I always say, just, you know, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you're a sinful person, right? Or you, it's a mistake, you know, or you didn't even realize that you were doing it, right? That includes anything you do that's against your brother, any disobedience against God, anything that takes away who God is, anything that you put in front of God including the love of this world. So sin ultimately is opposing God. And yes, we are all guilty of this at some point. None of us are perfect. But the main point what John is trying to talk about here is the practice of this sin. He's not focusing on sin. We did that two weeks ago. Now it's the practicing of sin. So then what is the practice of sin? Understanding the statement is going to make a big difference in understanding what, you know, John is trying to say here. And in Greek term, what John is saying is a present active participation. He's talking about someone who continually and persistently lives a sinful lifestyle. Continuously. All the time with of course, remember what sin is, right? Disobedience against God, you know, lawlessness, practicing whatever you say, God, I'm not going to do it. That's what it is. Continually saying, I am not going to do what you're asking me to do. This is someone who is willingly opposing God. This is a person who has no power of the Spirit. Someone who's not fighting against the flesh. We all know we have this battle of sin. We all know this. Every single one of us here are struggling with something. We all are. Me, myself included. We're all battling this every single day that we wake up. Every single day. 
Someone who practiced sin has literally said, I'm not going to battle this. I'm just going to live the way I want to live. I mean, so we can kind of see why John is bringing this up. Right? This is very common. We can also see why this applies to us. There's many polls, right? Christians do polls all the time, right? This Christian organization, a couple of days ago, I showed up, you know, a poll that came, Christian organizations do polls too. Not just, you know, uh, Republicans and Democrats, we do polls as well. When you look at the polls, there's a consistent uh, indication that there's not much of a difference between, in America, okay? In America, there isn't much of a difference of a so-called clean Christian and those who live in the world. There's not much of a difference with the way that we live. The world does. So when you stand a Christian, an unbeliever in front of you, you can't tell the difference. The Christian is living just like the person in the world. And John was dealing with this this exactly the same thing in his time. This group of, of, of those many antichrists that are, 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 are were coming out, they were coming out of the church, they were stepping in from wherever they were coming from. People were coming and they were falsely teaching the sin is not a problem. They were trying to stray them away so they don't believe that they have something to change in their lives. They didn't want them to know that sin is still sin. It's a big problem. Sin is, in other words, there's going to be people who not only try to teach against Christ, they will also try to convince you that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly fine. And clearly, John is completely against this, right? If not, he wouldn't have written this. He'd be like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. You sin all the time. Who cares? It's all good. If it was the case, he wouldn't have written this. But so John, what he does now, he's, he's going to make very strong implications. He's going to say, he says either you're of God or of the devil. And you either practice righteousness or you practice sin. I want to closely look at what John says. But as we go, we have to remember again, John is making them aware. He cares about them to make them aware. He's doing this out of love, condemnation on everyone, right? That's not what he's doing. He's coming in a loving but urgent care. He, his heart is, 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 has his passion for those people and, and love for those people. So he's going to tell them what it is. There's going to people. There's going to be people who are going to try to deceive you. There are going to be people, and I'm not talking about this. Is what John's saying. I'm telling you, there's going to be people who are going to try to deceive you. And John is giving a warning so those who believe can be on guard. 
But at the same time, if you really look at what he's doing, this is a good opportunity for even us to just take a step back and examine ourselves. Take the test. You take a test while you're on guard, right? So we use this time to do that, and that's what we're going to do. So let's look at those implications, right? First one, those who practice righteousness and those who practice sin, right? You can see that in in first first uh, John uh, chapter three verse seven. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteousness, and not only believe it, they were teaching it that you could be righteous before God with no evidence of your righteousness. So they were saying, hey. You could be righteous with God, but have no way of us knowing. That's what they were teaching. That doesn't really make any sense. You, know, you can make it simpler. You can be saved without displaying the fruits that come from God changing you. They're saying, hey, it's okay. There's no need to be any change in your life. You're saved. Keep living the way you're living. You're saved. Don't worry. And there's many things wrong with this idea. Primarily, the scripture is clear. There's no good tree that produces bad fruits. You can look Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Walking like Christ. You can say, I am with God. I am of God. But your life doesn't reflect so. It's not possible. Remember, okay, I'm going to remind you a couple of times so you can get mad at me. John is not calling for perfection. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not saying, you know, you are made righteous by your righteousness. He's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, because you do good, that's when you're going to be good, right? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying your good deeds is what's going to make you good. He's saying you practice righteousness not to be made righteous, but you practice righteousness because you are righteous. The opposite. Backwards. Right? We like to think we go from, you know, let's do good so we can be good. But there's no evidence in your life of your righteousness. He's not saying that. Okay? So he's not saying a lot of things. So we want to make sure we remember that. So John is actually saying that your actions are actually the outcome of who's leading your life. When I was young, there was a period that I spent pretty much doing whatever I wanted. And I was doing a lot of dumb things, saying a lot of dumb things, making a lot of mistakes, right? And you, you, you take a step now and you go, okay, why was I doing all that stuff? I started looking at all my friends. Hey, they were doing it, so I was doing it, Right? I was doing whatever they were doing. This is the people I spend most of my time with all the time. So what they were doing was influencing me, and therefore I was doing. You are who you hang out with. I know people don't like that. Or, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because yeah, I used to say that. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. You're not who you hang out with. Look at me. No, it is true. You are who you hang out with. And even Paul mentions it. I'm not even, I didn't come up with that, right? Look, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Again, do not be deceived. Don't be lied to. 
Bad company ruins good morals. That's not me saying it. So then if bad company influences you to make bad decisions, it is the same as good company influences you to make good decisions. Therefore, if Christ is in the center of your life, right? if He is the center of your life, and if God is good, therefore you're going to be influenced by His good. So then again, it is not possible to be in Christ and not live according to it. You're influenced. So that's going to affect you. And then John continued to repeat himself. And what does repeat, repeat, repeating, I'm not saying that wrong, but when he repeats himself, what does that mean? Very important. So listen, very important. Because there we go. John is going to repeat himself. Verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's, seeds, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. So remember again. What it is that makes practicing sin. Right? If you want. If you forgot. I can you know, send you a little piece. So you can print it up, make a copy, put it in your in your Bible, what it is to practice sin, right? What does that mean? Right, he's not talking about, you know, he, he's talking about a state of living, no, not in action, right? Uh, the, the action you can see in, in chapter 1, right, verses 8. So what John does with this verse, he creates a powerful structure and gives us assurance at the same time. So first, what you have is you've been born of God. And that's where everything starts. That's where everything starts to take place. This is, this is what Jesus calls being born again. It starts there. When you are born again. That's when you have this supernatural change that we cannot see at that moment. It's a supernatural change that happens in you. This is the only time I use that supernatural change, right? It's just, uh, people think that you change everything overnight. No, you don't. But you're born again in an instant. Supernatural change right there on the spot. In the blink of an eye. Something you don't see. It happens inside of you. And then since you were born of God, now there's a seed that abides in you. And there has been many debates on what the seed actually represents, but it basically comes down to, you know, it being the change in your life that's brought by the Holy Spirit, that's brought by the Word of God. That's that seed that's inside of you. You have the Word of God, the Holy Spirit in you. And that abides in you. That means it's there all the time. And then having this, inside of us abiding in us that gives us assurance because like John states he cannot keep on sinning because you have that you have this change right you have a change you're no longer rebellious against God so that means you're going to start changing the way you do things right so basically if we all know that 
by nature we rebel against God, but our nature has been changed due to the supernatural change. We go from being rebellious to wanting to be obedient. I'm not saying that we go from uh, you know, rebellious to perfect. We go from rebellious, I don't want to have nothing to do with God, to I want to have something to do with God. That's where we go from one to another. And when we do that, when we have that change, now we start to seek righteousness. We start to seek the things of God. Everything the opposite. You remember what it is to practice sin, right? To practice sin for life. Righteousness is just the complete opposite, right? So I'm not going to go into details because all it is is the opposite. This means that there's a real change in our relationship to sin. You know, we, we love sin. We love whatever we do. But now we start hating it. And I'm not saying you're going to hate everything at once. Trust me, you're not. It's going to take time. But there's a change happening in you. This change is going to be worked in every single area in your life as we grow in Christ. But it's a real change. Something you see. This is not hidden. This is a change you're going to see yourself in your own life. And it's going to continue to grow as you get closer to God. Next thing he says is those who are of God or of the devil. There's going to be people who are either of God or of the devil. So John makes a very strong separation. And you know, I like to separate, right? And the only time I make a division and in church is either you're saved or you're not. I don't care where you're from. I love the fact that you guys are all from everywhere. So it should be. We're all from somewhere, right, differently. I don't think there's not many other than my sister or my wife and, and Alex. There's not many Cubans here. Good. <laughs> we don't want to be like, oh, this is just a Cuban church. No. Everyone. The only, the only division we have is either you are saved or you're not. That's it. So John's doing the same thing. Either you're God or you're the devil. So we start taking that test. Are you of God or are you the devil? You see how, how important this is because it's like uh, a parent and a child, right? Uh, and, and if you don't have kids, it's okay. I'll explain to you how it works. Uh, and, and actually, you'll see if it's other than just kids. Your kids tend to hang out with you all the time, right? They're with you all the time. After a certain time, what happens to that kid? He starts saying the things you say. He starts acting the way you act. He starts doing the things you do, right? He, it, you're, he's with you all the time. So he kind of becomes you, right? Smaller version of you. As time goes on, the more time he spends, he's become a bigger version of you, right? They act, they speak like you. You know, the same thing with us, with our parents. We kind of are similar to our parents, right? If you really stop for a minute, we're very, uh, very alike to either our mom or our dad, one of them, or both, right? It goes the same thing if you have uh, a pet. Somehow those pets start to look like us. And I say it like that because I don't want to offend anyone because sometimes we look like the pets. 
but sometimes they start to kind of look alike. As you walk in the street, I was like, wow, that, that guy and that dog kind of look alike, right? So because they're always with us, so therefore they take on that attributes of us and they start becoming like us. That's the same concept John, uh, John is talking about. Depending on who you spend your time with is how you're going to walk. So if you're spending your time with God, you're going to walk like God. If you're spending your time with Satan, you're going to walk like Satan. Look at verse 8. Whoever makes the practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's why he's saying that. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So therefore, if you're making a practice of sinning, you're doing what he's doing. Right? And I know it's a hard statement. You know, if you're involved in, in the practice of sin, you're not of God, but you're the devil. That hurts. I don't want to even think that I'm like that because I immediately reject that thought, even if I am clearly sinning, living that lifestyle of constant sinning. Then if you're asking, well, who gave this guy the rights to say what he's saying? Who is this guy, John, to say what he said? Isn't he, uh, why is he condemning me or judging me? Isn't he not perfect too? Whoever's not perfect, throw the first stone, right? Oh, whoever's perfect, throw the first stone. That's what I meant to say, sorry. If you go back to John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says this himself. You are of your father the devil, and you will, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And we went through that when we went through the whole book of the gospel, right? So people who are constantly rejecting Christ. Because you are of the devil. And we saw how hard that was, right? To be told that. Since the first time Satan sinned, he hasn't stopped sinning since. Think about it. He hasn't stopped. Not only that, he purposely does it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to continue because he hates God. Right? He rebelled against God. And since that first moment, he rebelled against God, whether, whether God intentionally you know, created him to do that or not. We can talk about it some other time. But since that moment, he hasn't stopped. And this guy is the one that knows the Bible better than us, right? The devil knows it better than all of us put together. He knows the Bible better than us. So he just won't stop sinning. He has never struggled or battled with his sinful desires. He's, he's never repented ever. He's not going to, clearly, if you read throughout the Bible. He's not, no point, is he ever going to repent from his sins. He's at that permanent state where he's just going to sin because he wants to. And just like he's in that continuous state of sin, if we continue to live in our sin, we become just like him. He continued, not repenting. He wasn't battling. Are you repenting? Are you battling? Are you fighting?
Therefore, if we are of the devil, then we're not of God. He's influencing our desires, our walk, what we believe. If that's who is influencing your belief and how you walk, then you're of him. But if God is the one influencing your belief and how you walk, then you're of God. A man becomes a child of the devil by simply just imitating his behavior. That's why it's so hard for anyone to convince a non-believer of the gospel. That person has to have a change in his heart in order for that person to accept the gospel. If that person does not have a change of heart, he's never going to comprehend what all this is about. That's why we get rejected so much because those people don't care. They haven't had that change. And until they don't have that change, they're not going to care. That's why I always say, don't. it's not your job to convince them. Because you can tell them with proof, 100%, scientifically, even though some stuff cannot be scientifically proven, somehow you come up with a way to scientifically prove that Jesus was real, scientifically, because you cannot prove that. You can improve historically. You can you can prove a person is real by science experiments, but you can prove it to them, and they're still not going to believe you. Just you can't, not until they have that change of heart. We don't have that natural desire to follow God. So what makes you think we're going to listen to what you're saying, right? We need that change. That's why when the person is born of God, right? He's born again. He has that change. He does not persist in sinning. He's not purposely re being rebellious because you had that change. So if you have, so do the math or, or, or do whatever you need to do. If you're persistently sinning, wanting to, rejecting God, you can come to me and tell me 300 times I'm wrong. God has changed you. No, you haven't. Okay? I'm sorry. That doesn't mean he's not going to change you, okay? Don't get mad yet. There's a difference between the believers who are old, ungenerated, and there's a difference between those who have new life in Christ. You know, Christians sin period periodically, right? We sin, all of us. And when I mean periodically, almost every day, right? We don't do it on purpose. A lot of times we don't even, we're not even aware we're doing it. But not constantly like the devil does. We don't do it on purpose. We don't get up in the morning, I'm going to sin today. We don't. So in verse 10, John makes uh, another quick dis distinction, and it's just really quick. I read it. By this, by this it is evident who are of the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Neither is the one who does not love his brother. I could have probably just said that and be gone home, but I, eh, what's the fun into that, right? If you do not practice righteousness, you're not of God. And if you hate your brother, you're definitely not of God. There's no in-between grounds, right? There's no half and half. There's no gray area. You do or you don't. And again, this is not an overnight thing. So you're saying, oh, man, I'm still you know, struggling with this. It's going to be an ongoing thing. And I had to take a deep breath because every time I think about it, it's just like, whoa, this is so hard. This is an ongoing thing. So you're saying, well, God's changing me, but not everything. Okay. God is changing you, right? You know, and sometimes after listening to something like this, it's kind of good to remember the basics. I like to always come back to the basics when things get, get tough, right? We're all sinners. Every single one of us in here are. Me, you are. We all are. We're all sinners. Not a day goes by where we don't commit a sin, you know, an action. Some of us are are saved sinners who fight daily with those sinful desires, and then we humbly repent every time we fall. And there's some of us are just lost sinners who continually rebel against God with no care. I'm just going to do it. I don't care. And I'm not saying literally one of us here is. I, I don't personally think so, but it's my opinion. But at some point in, in every single one of our lives, we were all lost. Every single one of us. Whether you're one or the other. Every single one of us was lost at one point. Because none of us are born uh, found. None of us are. None of us are born righteous. None of us are. We're all born into this sinful world. One point or another, every single one of us was lost. We have all been sinners who rebelled against God. And we're all in need of a Savior to pay that debt that we all, that we owe. Every single one of us. I don't care if you spend your whole life in church. I don't care. We all need someone to pay that debt for us. And God sent that Savior. He sent to gather the lost and to bring them home, all those who He loved. And the Savior is the one to take away our sins. You go back to verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away our sins. The work of Jesus is to remove the sin in our life. And, and though he's, he's the one that works in us, right? It's a work that's in us, right? He's the one that does this work. There has to be a response from us. We have to see it. And I'm not talking about I have to see yours. You have to see your own change, your own response. If God did something in you, you're going to see it. Whatever it is, you're going to see it. And the devil wants to lie and tell you that you're fine and there's nothing wrong, that in order for you... Uh, in order for you to, to, to be saved, you have to fix yourself. In order for you to be with Christ, 
You need to get all your stuff together. Get all your things together. I need to get my life together before I can come to Christ and be saved. That's what he wants you to think. Or he also wants you to think that, hey, you're a sinner, but it's okay. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Right? We go to both extremes. Either fix everything first and come to Christ, or don't worry, don't fix nothing. There's nothing to be fixed. You're all perfect. It's always an extreme, right? And the truth is that there's something wrong with all of us spiritually. Every single one of us, and none of us can fix it. I can't fix it for you. I can't even fix it for myself. And none of us can. There's nothing that we can do to make it better. So we come as we are. We do come exactly as we are to Christ. Then he changes us. And we don't stay as we are. And I say it a few times. Some people come here as they are and they leave as they came. You come as you are, but he changes you and you don't leave the same way he did, you came. And only when God comes in our lives first, only when God comes in our lives first is when we can overcome sin. Only then can we walk righteously and, and we can walk in the light and we can walk in Christ. Only then. And if you, for whatever reason, you know, fail this test, say, I failed. Know that in Christ, all sins are forgiven. And in Christ, we are all again reconciled with God. So it's never too late. The only moment is late is when you're already in front of Christ. Then that's too late. So as long as he's got air in you and you're breathing and you have life in you, there's always a chance. Right? And for those who are saved sinners, remember that there are going to be those who will tell you and they will try to convince you with false teachings. You're saying, I passed this test. I am not of, uh, of the devil. I, my life just changed. It's not perfect. It's probably sucks still. But there's something going on. Because I can see it. Remember, there's going to be people that are going to come and try to convince you of false things. So you have to be very careful. But we have the Holy Spirit that gives us that capability, right? We have that capability because we have the Holy Spirit to know the truth and what's false. So remember that. That's what John's trying to say. Remember, you have this. Be careful. There's those who are going to come and try to convince you. But you can't know the truth. And for those believers who have become doubtful about their salvation... Those who don't have doubt need to help them. We need to help them through that struggle. I think we've all been there. We can help each other through that struggle. And we have to help them take the focus off themselves and put the focus back on Christ. Because what happens is that we struggle with that, you know, 
I'm saved. I'm not saved because we're putting so much focus on what we're doing. But it's not about anything you did. You can't take away your sin. You can't do any of that stuff. We got to put it back, our focus back on God. Because at the end of the day, salvation is about grace through faith and not by anything that we do. Okay? Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Holy City Church.